0: Today, I'm here with Joe Bowyer. Joe is the co founder of Smug AF Cocktails, a boutique brand producing non alcoholic cocktails here in Australia. Yeah, in addition to creating cocktails that replicate the real thing, the mission of Smug is to normalize the choice to drink less or not at all. And I think, oh, that's the key. Welcome, Joe. I on my little tangent. Welcome, Joe. <laughs> Great to be here. <laughs> That's like when I was talking to Rachel the other week, that was one of the key things that I took out of the conversation because a drinking culture isn't just the norm in Australia and most of the Western world. It's actually a requirement. Like you so, don't go out and you don't, if you go out and you don't have a drink, you need to justify that reason. It's, And I'm just talking over you. <laughs>
1: no, it's true. You have to have even an approved justifiable reason. So you yes. need to be pregnant or you're taking antibiotics maybe or you, I don't know, you've got to go to work or pick up your child later so therefore you're driving or there's only a certain amount of reasons that people will accept without really trying to twist your arm and going, come on, can't you just have one? So what, that.
0: yeah so what was your reason for stopping drinking
1: look well I stopped on December 30 2020 so I'm coming up to about 15 months now it's easy for it to sound like I just woke up one day and went that's it I'm not drinking anymore but actually it was about seven years of thinking about it and thinking that I should be doing it or avoiding it or or trying to work out who the hell would I be if I wasn't drinking and Anyway, trying to work my way through that. So I, I was a business coach and a performance coach before, and I'd read so many things. that Alcohol was always in the way of really good performance. So way back seven years ago, when I read Brain Brain, and there were so many links between alcohol and dementia. And uh, you know, I mean, it was—it's pretty much undeniable if you go looking for information. But I didn't want that to be the truth. I—I I couldn't imagine my life without alcohol. Actually, I was ever since I was young, I drank, 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 drank. And usually if I had one, I had five or six. I it just, was never just like have one. I, I always envied those people who could just have a glass of wine, for dinner, and then not think about drinking for a week. Yeah, it, it seems like I did it overnight, but it was four years of very serious thinking I should. And it was only after meeting a few people who had quit drinking and not because they hit some rock bottom. Like, the main reason those people had quit was because they were committed to performing well in their lives. And I think in the end, I came to a similar conclusion. I felt like I was dying with, I was about to die with my potential intact. <laughs> there was no way I was fulfilling what was possible for me while I kept alcohol in my life. Is that a roundabout way of answering your question? No, that that's really good. So who was it that you met? There was a couple of very successful business people that crossed my path. People would have probably heard of Coen Ray. If you and if you're in business and you're an entrepreneur, you would have heard of Coen Ker- Ray. He doesn't drink. In fact, most of those, like Tony Robbins, all those people, all of them say don't drink. Alcohol is like the fastest way to the bottom, really. Even even a small amount, you know, it's because alcohol is hard to moderate. So it was really business people in my life and people I looked up to and admired and thought well, I want that sort of performance and maybe there's that little 1% or 3% that I could get if I just stopped drinking. So there was the potential aspect, but also I could see that I was disconnecting more from my family. When alcohol was involved, I was not worried about what my kids would be. I was just thinking about my next glass of wine. Like someone get me a glass of wine. You know, we'd be at events or parties or even at home if I was relaxing on a Friday, I'd just switch off to everything else because I'm having a relax with my wine, you know. And I just didn't want to live like that anymore. I just started to realise, man, if I keep this up, sort of relationship I'm going to have with my kids so how did it impact you physically drinking I would say one thing is I was grumpy I noticed I was grumpy a lot and the kids tend to, to bear the brunt of that they're 10 and 12 now so kids being kids are annoying if you have a hangover or you're tired or whatever or already grumpy it's easy to take it out on your children. So I didn't like who I was being, I think, is one of the key things. And I found it hard to operate over the top of feeling grumpy and tired. They were the the two main things that I think affected me. I I can tell you since I've stopped drinking, I don't have a three o'clock slump. I seem to have far more natural energy and I don't need to top up with anything at that time of day. Certainly waking up the next day and feeling garbage, even if I had one glass of wine. I think I'm 46 seven this year so I I just found as I was getting older even less alcohol was affecting me the following day I could have one drink and it would affect my sleep and then I'd wake up exhausted and sick feeling sick
0: I was gonna say what is the biggest difference now
1: well I started a company that I was never going to start so I think one of the things that I realized is how much time I spent either planning events around alcohol and I, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic. I think people have this idea that you're either a normal drinker or you you're in the gutter. You know, you've lost your family and life's terrible, and you're drinking at 10 a.m. Right? There's there's this whole spectrum that's exists actually, and it's amazing when you just stop drinking something or or partaking in something, the mental chatter that associated with that thing disappears as well. So I I found I have way more time. It's unbelievable. I'm not recovering from any hangovers. I'm not sitting and drinking, so I drink a lot less anyway of anything. Whatever drink it is, and I'm not thinking about when I'm drinking or when's my next drink or anything else. So I'm just more present in my life and operating from what's going on in my life, um, and that's a big one. And I have way more energy. I think it took probably three months before I noticed a big change in my fitness level because so I play basketball, and at first I didn't notice any difference, but then. About three months in, after not changing, I didn't change anything else. I just stopped drinking. I didn't go on a big diet or do extra exercise or nothing. Just change, just stop drinking. And three months in, I could play two games back-to-back instead of dying after, in the middle of the first game. Just suddenly I had additional fitness available to me. So it just means I can do more of the things I love. So what was it like for you? Because you gave
0: up just before New Year. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty dramatic, Joe.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, I think um I'd had I'd had long bursts from it's like abstaining from alcohol previously. And I think the longest I managed was five months. And it was like two years previous or something, or a year and a half previous. I'd had a big fight with my husband on a date, right? We ended up in a big argument. I stormed out of this tiny restaurant just we been drinking, you know, a typical date night, a few cocktails and then to dinner and some more wine and what have you. And I knew in that moment, we just weren't listening to each other. He'd been drinking, I'd been drinking. Nobody was listening. Our communication was like this and I just lost it. And so I woke up that next day going, that's it. I don't know when I'm going to drink again. And I did manage five months. But the hard part about that was I hadn't really educated myself. I had no tools. I had no strategies. I didn't tell I mean people knew I was taking a break but I didn't really have a community of people who could sh- help me deal so I still wanted to drink would be out people would be drinking and I I had that desire to have a wine or a cocktail or, or whatever the desire never left me so then you're just the white knuckling this decision you know it's like just it all comes down to willpower which I think is what a lot of people do and why people find it so hard so this time around I actually read someone recommended Alan Carr's book, The Easy Way to Control Alcohol. And I actually had to read it twice because he gets, he gets to the end of the book and he says, if you still have any doubts, you should read the book again. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, thanks for start for me, you know, because I was, my main concerns were how will I have fun? How will I connect with people? What if everyone thinks I'm so boring because I don't drink anymore? And what if I don't get invited to things and lose friends and, I just couldn't imagine the fabric of my life. It's like breaking up with a bad boyfriend. You know, you grieve this thing that's kind of toxic, but you can't imagine life without it. And so after I finished that book the second time, I literally had no desire to drink. So it didn't matter that it was December 30. I I was done, just done. And he even encourages people to have their last drink and notice what happens. And I mean, there were lots of things I did from the time I was pretty committed to testing my brain reactions, and I, I would measure the craving and then think, well, did I enjoy the drink as much as I craved the drink? And I started really paying attention to how the wine was, how was I using alcohol in my life and what was happening? And I just, so I was using all those things in this lead. up it Took, As I said, it took me four years to really come to that moment where I was like, done. And I don't even think about drinking at all anymore. What? Because it is such a, I
0: mean, all of those concerns that you had, they're pretty valid for most of us. Like, what do you do when you go to somebody's barbecue? You, you got to say, oh, I'm driving. I'm designated driver. Oh, okay. You let off the hook then. Yeah. But what do you do?
1: Yeah, this is hard because I think I'll tell you the difference. I so might answer it in a roundabout way if that's okay. So before I was done, right, when I would go to those situations people always tried to convince me to have a drink oh you know they always it's always started a bit of a conflict style conversation well why and but couldn't you just special occasions and can't you just limit it and why can't you just have some and I would get all of that kind of feedback and I think it was really my concerns reflect like, it's almost like I was eliciting that kind of response you know and then when I committed that December 30 I went off to a big party at News Eve nobody did any of that no one even seemed to care it's like I some switch had flipped and people started saying oh that's so interesting you know I've thought about not drinking but I never really had the guts to give it a go so it would, you know it became this whole other type of conversation it's as though my steadfast commitment my not questioning anything changed the whole context in which people related to me the energy so I, I don't know how else to explain that but that is what <laughs> It is people's big concern is, well, what do I say? And as you know, I have a lot of training in my life. I don't take shit from people. Sorry if I'm allowed to swear, but I'm not really a people pleaser. I don't worry so much about what people think really. And most people aren't like that. Like I would say most women are very concerned about what people say and think and how could I possibly defend myself. And so I think having a few just one-liners back, just like, "Ah, I just decided to take a break or I just realise alcohol isn't really working for me anymore and I'm seeing if I can go without it. Any any kind of quick response that you can say with confidence generally works.
0: It's kind of going back to, to what you were saying before, it, it's that Yoda quote came up for me, either do or do not. There is no try. And that's that's what you're saying, isn't it? The minute you actually made the decision, that's it, decision made. Yep. everything fell into place with everybody else.
1: Mm. Took me a while to realise that because I had been in the same shoe as everybody else, that idea that I was copping so much flack from people for not drinking. And people know me as Party Jo, like I'm like a reliable, come along, get hammered, <laughs> dancing on barbecues and tables and I'm that kind of girl. So it's, it's a big leap to suddenly just be the one who's not drinking but it took me a while because I once I had made that commitment you know from 15 months ago people kept saying they were copying this sort of these weird response like conflicting responses and I just it started making me think have I had that lately no nobody has said anything to me lately lately I'm getting all the encouragement and it's just a whole different vibe so that's how I noticed that I think that that commitment you make that's just unquestion when you have no questions the questions no longer come back at you
0: what was your biggest concern was it in the social situation was it not having any fun
1: or what was your concern yeah I think my main concern was that I people would think I was boring I did not want to be boring um and I've used alcohol to avoid being boring forever that I think it's probably I think whatever you've used alcohol for is going to be the thing that prevents you or the thing that gets in the way of you letting it go yeah so some people use it to connect or to feel like they fit in or to hide the, you know they're numbing something that's upsetting them you know it just it depends and a lot of people don't look it at that right they go you ask them why they drink and they're like i love the taste really i mean if you really if you really just focus on how it tastes you might not really real. You might realize you're not really telling yourself the truth, you know. So there's a bit of inner work to be done as well at the time. If you are committed to it, if you want to work it out, you just gotta really look and tell the truth to yourself about why. Why are you doing what you're doing? I guess I, I guess it's like breaking any habit. I think drinking is just a habit at the end of the day. It's just stimulus response, stimulus response. And if your stimulus is stress and you respond with wine, then it's literally just stimulus response. And Got to just untangle some of those things. And
0: the other thing is, I don't think that the people actually realize how painful the downsides are until they don't have them. So it's, you can't use, unless you've really hit rock bottom and you're, you know, sort of in the gutter, like you were saying, the pain point might not be big enough to make you reassess it.
1: Maybe. I think people's lethargy, tiredness, I think most people don't put that down to drinking. They'll blame something else. Oh, I'm not sleeping well. Okay, but maybe you're not sleeping well because the alcohol is affecting your sleep. And I think we are brainwashed, really, about alcohol. It's glamorised in the media and movies. Think of some of your favourite movies. Everyone's drinking in those movies. They never show you throwing up in the toilet or <laughs> drunk texting your ex, telling them that you wish you never let go of them or saying that about their new wife or you know they'd never show you the dumb shit you end up doing because you were too pissed right it's all the glamour and none of the downside so we just keep getting brainwashed about it's all upside it's all upside it's all upside and so we don't even think to connect whatever may not whatever pain points we've got to alcohol it's not an obvious link no, it's not, and it, it's not even
0: just glamorized. It's so normalized. I was watching, um, I was binge watching something on the telly the other week. It was a detective thing at English. In every time they went home, first thing they did was they sat down with a glass of wine. I'll come into my house. Here's a glass of wine. Let's go to the pub, have some drinks. It was all
1: the as soon as it was downtime,
0: you had alcohol.
1: Any movie, I've started noticing it so much more now. It sort of shows up like a neon sign, big alcohol, and they show up everywhere. Even, like, convincing mothers that they need alcohol to survive parenting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably the worst thing you could add in to parenting. Honestly, it's such a false promise that you will be less stressed by drinking wine. Maybe in that moment you'll stop caring. And so, for a moment, you have some relief. But tomorrow, when the kids are up at five and you're trying to deal with that, yeah, it's problematic. I think we just get um, conditioned to think that we need alcohol in any situation, but it's an appropriate addition to any event. So, talk to me about the business. What happened? Why did you start that? (laughs) I know I have no experience in beverage at all or fast-moving consumer goods or anything related to making a drink. Um, But I was talking to my friend Lauren, who's the co-founder of Smug, and we were just, just, she had been through a similar, whole different story but had stopped drinking as well for a period of time. She still drinks on the odd occasion now. And I mentioned to her I wanted to do something just to help people, something that would signal I'm not drinking and don't mess with me about it. You know, like I was thinking about trinkets or a shirt or a bracelet or a thing you can put on your drink that's like don't try and top me up or a, how do I support people because I could feel the pain people were going through and we got all excited on the phone and the next day she rang me back and she goes I want to do it with you and we think we need a beverage and I'd been thinking the same thing you know that there's stuff on the market at that time a year ago it was all very earnest all super serious the alcohol-free space and there was nobody we didn't think, with ready to drink, things like ready to drink cocktails, which is what our drinks are, that truly replicated that cocktail experience so that when you drank it, you know, you got the warming sensation, it really tasted like the real thing. Um, I think one of the things that gets in people's way is this sense of, giving something up and missing out and sacrificing and you can't really fully participate with your friendship circle because you're drinking water. You know, you go to a pub and all you can get is Coke or bloody water and you're just like a child sitting at the table with your kidney drink while everyone else is having their nice adult sophisticated drinks. So we were like, we need something complex and sophisticated and fun and let's make something. So Smug was born and the name came because that news straight after I quit, um, poor, my poor husband had been at that party. Boys were encouraging him to have shots and drinks and whatever else, and we got home at 10.30 on the New Year's Eve and he was throwing up at the garden. And I have to tell you, I felt so snug. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm so glad I didn't drink. You know, just I think for most people, you never wake up the next day and say to yourself, well, I really regret not drinking last night. Never. That never happens. So
0: that's that's how we got started so i get that you're right you know my kids when we used to go to club med when they were younger and they'd go and get mocktails but they taste sickly sweet and they just taste like cordial with orange juice in or whatever you know really not nice what do you do to create the, the these cocktails how are they different
1: Yeah, we went to professional formulators. We've in fact been through three separate formulators. So we've we've so far got a non-alcoholic margarita and a non-alcoholic mojito. We've got three more flavors coming soon. It's hard to do. I I won't lie. It's actually very hard. It's taken many, many, many samples to get to the point where the, the viscosity of the drink even feels like alcohol on your mouth. And we wanted to have as low a sugar as we could get because same thing, we'd had mocktails and it just makes you feel awful. You're trying to have a nice dinner and then you've got this horrible sugary mocktail with your fancy dinner. It's terrible. It just doesn't work. So we tried it first with no sugar and the drink tasted terrible, terrible. So we had to relent and put some a little bit of sugar in it. So I think we've got six grams in the margarita and seven point something in the in the mojito. But it did take a lot of blending and formulating and high-end ingredients. So, so our drinks already have the um, like the dealcoholized rum flavour in there or the tequila flavour. It actually is those flavours without the alcohol. Um, how do you get those flavours? Uh, with a lot of different suppliers who make them. We started off um, when we first did the first batch in the backyard. We found this, I can't remember how it came about, I think Lauren's dad found like a brewing company that also had little vials of flavours, right, for non-alcoholic flavours. It was literally every bit of alcohol you could get in these little vials. And so we rocked up to this little place and we bought all these vials and started just concocting things in the backyard and trying to get them to taste the way we wanted them to taste. And then we took that and briefed professional formulators to try and replicate that flavour.
0: You must have invested a fortune in this. And hang on, where did you, because you were already in a job, weren't you? What happened with that overlap?
1: I have been a business coach for 10 years. So I've had my own business for 10 years coaching other businesses, mostly professional services firms over the last 10 years. And in the last two years, I had accredited myself um, to be a certified resilience trainer. So that was, again, the alcohol thing kept getting, I don't know, reinforced in all my training for building up people's resilience. I actually just shelved that for this year. So I just, I was trying to run both things at the same time. I had a big corporate client in New Zealand and a couple of local uh, businesses I was coaching. And I just, with all the money we've got invested, so we're talking good six figures in to make these drinks that we've got to so far, realised I couldn't, I needed to protect my investment now. So I let the other stuff go, referred on some of the work and now I'm just focused on I'm full-time, as is Lauren. That must have been pretty terrifying step. Yeah, I have an incredible husband who has a good job and was willing to back, I mean, this is a, it's one of the fastest growing categories in food and beverage and everything just was, everything was aligned right to join when we did. Unfortunately, we missed dry, we were hoping to be in market by dry July last year and we just, producers are very difficult to find good ones. It's still a very much a cottage industry, canning things and uh, you're dealing with people who aren't that professional, pretty cowboy You put in a purchase order and no one responds. Like it's just having come from corporate and then running my own business, I often feel horrified by the way people operate. Uh, So we've had many false starts and we've had to restart a number of times. It has been an exercise in determination and grit for sure. I think if I didn't have Lauren, I would have just thrown it all in probably last May. (laughs) Wow. So what did Lauren
0: do? Is her background in this kind of thing or are you both just complete novices? Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. And she's very clever. She's, She's 11 years younger than me and very good with social media. She's hilarious, very talented. So our Instagram and our TikTok is filled with super entertaining content, all designed to just help people have a think about alcohol we don't demonize alcohol at all, but that that really is her talent. She's, we call her the creative director. She, she has amazing palette. So the flavor, she was making a lot of cocktails. I mean, a year before she was in lockdown in Melbourne, hard lockdown and making cocktails every day to survive lockdown. And in fact, we thought it was so fun. She would do Friday night cocktails and I encouraged her to, to get on live and to send out to everyone what the ingredients were needed to make the cocktail for that Friday. And we would buy all those ingredients and be on the line making these cocktails with her. That was, I mean, that's how big the change has been. That was her life. And now we are advocates for mindful drinking, I suppose you could call it, more so than demonising alcohol. Yeah, okay. So
0: talk to me about that difference because it it isn't, obviously it's not making wrong, the drinking, that's what you're saying. It's It's more about, I don't know,
1: how would you phrase that? Because the world kind of sees the drinking in this pendulum of you're either normal and you're okay or you are in the gutter and you're an alcoholic, people don't ever want to admit they may have a problem with alcohol because there's this stigma that I'm going to be seen to be a full-blown alcoholic if I say it's a bit of a problem, it's affecting my life. So actually alcoholism is is a spectrum you know from i can have one drink at christmas all the way through to i do have a serious problem need a lot of help but in the middle there there's all kinds of problems that are getting caused by people drinking too much alcohol too regularly too much um whether it's affects their capacity to perform or they're just not being with their kids or they're spending too much money i mean there's there's a lot of issues surrounding alcohol and there's plenty of families dealing with domestic violence because someone in the family drinks too much alcohol I mean we've all seen those stories right so what we wanted to approach this with a light heart because knowing that people will avoid the conversation if you just label them an alcoholic if 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 you you just think about your own situation if you were going to admit you had a problem someone was like well you're an alcoholic then you're never going to tell anybody about that but if there's a place you can go to and hear about, look, it was affecting me this way and that way and I just was committed to my life being a bit better than that, well, then people might be willing to go, oh, I wonder how that's affecting me. And we just wanted to open up the little, just open the doors a bit so that people would have a conversation with us. So the Instagram was all about that, having a bit of fun with it, fun reels, laughing about our hangovers and just questioning on the end, like, do you really want to going with this that you know that kind of chat that allows people to consider take a look at what they're doing and maybe start thinking about changing some stuff
0: so have you said is this just on your social media you've not set up a support group or anything are there places because you were saying at the start one of the difficult things about giving up is if you haven't got that support around you and it is I mean I know from personal experience when I, I go somewhere and I don't want to drink the pressure is enormous
1: yeah. yeah so we've been so lucky lauren is amazing at making friends she doesn't see the world as, as a competitive place she sees it as opportunities for collaboration and so now that's kind of one of our values of our business is that collaboration over competition she's been amazing and so we last night actually we were on a call with all of it's called the sober bosses group it's all of the female entrepreneurs in the sober space There are coaches. There's people who run podcasts, like Sober Awkward podcast is amazing. Uh, Booze Free Vance is another great podcast, all out of Australia. So two of the women are, the Sober Awkward ladies are English, but they live in Australia. And Booze Free Bants is these Aussie chicks from Victoria. They are hilarious. And, you know, we've so there's coaches and other brands, you know, people who would be our competitors are in there and we're all helping each other. Because our mission is to change the culture, it doesn't matter to us whether we miss out on 1% market share or whatever else. We want to forward this concept. So we have now got relationships. So Sarah Rusbatch is a great area drinker coach and we've built a relationship. We're sponsoring her April event for 30 days of no drinking event and we'll go on live and we'll talk with her the people in the course and we've offered up some drinks as a giveaway just to be involved in those things and we will always encourage people to seek out those resources or there's groups like drunk mummy sober mummy which is also made by the lady who does the sober awkward podcast and it's a meetup group and so you can go and practice being sober with other people who are trying to practice being sober in a social situation it's incredible so there's plenty of resources like that. Shanna Wan, just won Australian of the Year. I forget which category. I think it was Local Hero or one of those. And her, she has a group called Sober in the Country, I think it's called, and it's a charity. And she has all kinds of support services for peak farmers and so forth who she's trying to help them to realise how alcohol might be affecting them. You can imagine in that environment depression is rampant and they're, under, they're living under difficult conditions a lot of the time. So she's done some amazing work. So we've got, there must be about 30, 40 women in there, all in different areas. And we're trying to build up as many of those relationships as we can. It's actually nearly time to wrap up (laughs) now. Sorry, (laughs) all the extra talking.
0: No, no. As a guest, I'll actually get some of those names off you because I'd love to talk to some of those people. And just because I think the lack of support I mean, one, the lack of what can I drink if I go to a pub with a or a restaurant with a group of friends? What gotcha. is just a drink? Not a lot. Sparkling water is my big fallback. But then what do you say? How do you get that support network around you? And I think that's because I find that if I've got a listening in one area of my life you know if I've got acceptance in one area then I can take that acceptance in another area yeah. but if you're yeah. all alone fighting the world it's very difficult to to do this
1: you're just going to cave yeah so That's yeah pretty much impossible I think to do it alone mm. and I think it was Breeza from the Booze Free Bands podcast and she now has another thing called I flaunt AF drinks and she's going into corporates to show them the alcohol-free options, um, working with all the different brands and having a conversation about alcohol. So she's doing some amazing work. We're doing an event with her in April, but she also has the podcast. She originally started her Instagram profile so she could just keep herself accountable about the drinking. She wasn't going to do any businesses related to drinking. And I think that's kind of what happened to us. You know, When you see the opportunity to help others just by doing it yourself, it's opened up an incredible community. Uh, there's even there's other brands like Yes You Can and and the like. We've been on phone calls with the founders of that company as well. It's amazing the information they were willing to share with us and vice versa. It's I think when you have purpose driven human beings in in an industry, it makes a huge difference. But I would love to share with you some of those people. Fantastic! Thank you so much, Joe. This has been, I found out so much today. It's been great. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for
0: joining us this week on menopause, marriage and motherhood. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite player. And while you're at it, we'd love you to leave us a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be amazing too. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode. And remember, if you're busy thinking about what you can't have, how on earth are you going to enjoy what you can have? See you next week.